tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. See, I knew if we were talking about food, you'd be up chatting a lot. One of our favorite subjects, right? Thanks for being here with us today. Uh, Glad you could spend some time with us. And now as we take a look at exploring God's word. Uh, My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and it's great to be together, to be unified in Christ, even though we are unique. I mean, look around the room. We're all different. Uh, We're at different ages, stages in life, likes and dislikes, ethnicities, education, blood types, hair color, amount of hair. Uh, Hey, yeah, Heights, body shape, hobbies, or what we talked about last week, uh, what's our favorite breakfast cereal? We are different. I mean, look at the person next to you and say, you're different. (laughs) Even in uh, what we think are some fun food combos, food pairings. I mean, John had an interesting one up here, vanilla ice cream and olive oil, extra virgin olive oil and sea salt. Interesting. What are some of the other interesting ones you heard people talk about? Just yell them out. What are they? Think of one. What's that? Fruit and frozen yogurt with fruit inside. Okay, that's a good one. What else? Maybe some interesting one. What, what's out there? Pe- what? <laughs> Peanut butter and mustard. Okay. Okay. That one's pretty good. Any others you think of? Banana flavored pancakes. Okay. Um, What else? Anybody else think of one? I got a few up here. Um, Someone you know well, peanut butter and chocolate. Mm. Now we're talking, right? And then, of course, one of my favorites, Kraft macaroni and cheese and ketchup. That's not normal. I grew up with this. I mean, this was it. Mary, I I am so good at making Kraft macaroni and cheese, I don't even need to look at the recipe on the box. Okay, well, how about ketchup and scrambled eggs? Okay, okay, that's good. Then there's also the one that, uh, it's uh, potato chips and Nutella. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now, as I was doing a little bit of a, research on this, I came up with, they were sharing strange pairings. And one of them just, um, I thought, okay, but not so sure of, it's Oreo cookies and pickles. Yeah. I, I, I haven't tried that yet. Um, I may not, but uh, maybe, maybe later. But what's interesting is, is how others take our negative reaction. Like when you just, you know, totally diss me for macaroni and cheese and ketchup. I mean, come on. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. And, and, and how do we feel when someone says something negative about what we like? Um, well, sometimes we feel bad. We like something a lot and somebody goes, ew, that's gross. You think, well, it's not gross to me. I've always sounded it that way. It tastes great. Uh, 
you feel pushed away, maybe a little bit less, but certainly not included. Obviously included in their tastes. This is why as our kids were growing up uh, and with our grandkids now, we encourage them to try new things. And we coach them if they don't like something they're not to say, oh, that's yucky, or oh, that's gross, or I hate that, or they even, we, we, we uh, challenge them not to say, I don't like that, but uh, because those words can be a bit exclusive and not inclusive. So what we coach them to say, and Jessica, my daughter's here, what do we say? It's, that's not my favorite. So let's say it together. How do you feel about Kraft macaroni and cheese? Yeah. How do I feel about Oreo cookies and pickles? I don't know yet. It might not be my favorite. Uh, we, we, we chose those words because to us, that seems a bit more inclusive and polite. You see, too much in our world today divides and polarizes. What we need to do is we need to take on Jesus' teaching on peace and harmony. The Apostle Peter said it this way in his writings in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. He says, finally, and the reason he's saying finally, because he's been talking about all along about our relationship to each other, family relationships, working with, uh, with each other and, and how we treat each other and even in government. And he says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And what he's saying here is to, is to care about other people and to be inclusive and be empathetic. Mark, the author of the Bible book of Mark, what we've been studying for these last numbers of weeks, uh, takes, uh, takes from Peter's mentoring, the apostle Peter's mentoring as he writes the gospel of Mark. And as we've been studying through this book, Mark has been challenging us to follow Jesus, to live life Jesus's way. And this particular section of Mark, Mark chapter 9, verses somewhere around 33 to all the way to 50, and we're going to take a chunk of that this morning, but the challenge is to be at peace with each other, just much like Peter when he was talking and shared that one verse about being at peace, that we're to be together, to be connected, to be inclusive. And with all the divisions in the world today, it's so easy to divide each other. And actually, there's a little bit of empowerment to be exclusive. It even happens to us as followers of Jesus. Yet Jesus calls us to live in peace and harmony and, 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 and care about each other, include each other, even in our differences. I was flipping through Facebook and I came across a video that just touched my heart. It was um, a bunch of young people uh, singing praises to God. And these, these young adults were Ukrainian young adults and Russian young adults. And they were singing together, praising God. Amazing as these two countries are at war. But unfortunately, we've seen followers of Jesus divide and saying, not the polite thing, that's not my favorite. It gets a little more, whether it's over masks or vaccines or interpretations of government requirements or politics or worship styles or preaching styles. I mean, my goodness, it even happens over the color of a carpet in a church. Why do we get so polarized? And why do we get so exclusive in our likes and our thinking? And yet Jesus calls us to this inclusive peace. Actually, Mark 
9, verse 50, that last part of that says, be at peace with one another. Be in that harmonious, inclusive reality with other people. And in Mark chapter 9, verses 38 to 41, the text we'll be looking at this morning briefly, Jesus gives the disciples and us that challenge to be inclusive. Three brief challenges to be being inclusive in Christ for thriving as followers of Jesus is more about what we're for than what we're against. But before we jump into that, if you'd mind standing your feet, let's pray and ask God to challenge us and encourage us and help us as we uh, take time in his word. God, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the great truth of your word is, Lord. And even on this Sunday, where we're focusing on global outreach, on missions. God, this lesson on inclusiveness is so important. Help us to see that and challenge us in even how we're inclusive and how we could be even more so. So bless us. Use this time, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have a, hopefully you got one of the worship folders coming in. Uh, John told you about the card inside. We would love a prayer request from you. Uh, we'd love to pray for you. You can put it down there and we appreciate it. But inside, if you open that up, there's an outline uh, in there. There's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen and also encourage you to when you're on your way out of here, uh, out these double doors, keep turning left all the way. And there's a, a counter there. It's our resource counter. And on there, there's a study guide. Inside the study guide, there's a, all the answers to the fill in the banks and all the extra verses I share and also a bunch of questions many of our life groups use, but it's also great for personal study because that's our hope is that you would take this sermon as a launch pad for your study throughout the week. Maybe look up some of the verses and be challenged as we go through this. Uh, to help you, we've created a part of our website that says revive and there's a number of resources to click on one is our podcast that we do most every week and it's a great opportunity to take a deeper dive or a little sidetrack on the passage that we're looking at in this and then and and, and you may be wondering what well, how does this have to do with global outreach i mentioned it already but uh, i'm sure you'll uh figure it out as we go along but jesus had been sending out his disciples mostly to cast out demons and quite possibly to do some healings in Jesus's name and in the power of Jesus. And they did. And then this happened. Hopefully you have your Bible open up to Mark chapter nine, now verses 38 to 41. And John said to him, that's Jesus, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon after speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly, I say to you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Jesus challenges them and us to be inclusive for thriving as followers of Jesus is more about what we are for than what we are against. Three challenges to being inclusive. The first one is to be careful of drawing lines. Verse 38, John said to him, hey, we saw somebody casting out demons. They're not part of our group. They're out. They shouldn't do that. John was drawing a line. The criteria was they were not part of our group, so they must be wrong. John was promoting a superiority and an exclusivity we must be the only right group. And you know, it's easy to get that way. But we feel empowered when we set ourselves against something. Actually, there's been studies done that's almost like a drug. That we went and we we're standing against something. Woo, it fills endorphins in our, our, our life. And we feel this self-righteousness in that. And 
Now, now sure, we need to hold on to the core beliefs of God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, salvation, the authority of Scripture, the Bible, and continue to grow in our understanding. But their validity is in their truth because they are true, not about what we're against. Many different denominations believe in the same Jesus we do, but practice faith in a slightly different way. Evidently, John got it and brought out Jesus's truth in saying this in John 10, 16. Jesus says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd with Jesus as that one shepherd. But we're to be careful to not draw lines. For thriving as followers of Jesus is more about what we are for than what we are against. You see, the core of being missional is bringing Jesus into every culture because Jesus fits. We could learn from other cultures as well. I know that when um, a while back, I had an opportunity to go to India with some of our uh, leaders here and we went and did some pastor training and we're coming back from one particular site and I was sitting in the front with one of our interpreters and he asked me, you know, Pastor Mike, why would you come all the way over to India to come teach us? And I went, well, because you asked. <laughs> Uh, but then I said, no, I said, I, I love to learn from other cultures. And the truth is you have a unique vantage point of God that I can't get to because I've been you know, born in the West, raised in the West, and I have a different unique background. And you've been born where you are, raised where you are. And God's brought you through a, a number of uh, experiences and circumstances, and you see God uniquely. And I want to learn from that. And we can all learn from that. Actually, I gave an illustration. I say, let's say God's an elephant. And that's kind of funny because in India, there is an elephant God. But I say, let's say God's an elephant. And we're all standing around the elephant, looking at that, trying to describe the elephant. And I'm over here and I see this, you know, one big long thing looks like a big tree trunk and that's his, uh, you know, his uh, uh, foot. And the other one says, oh no, he's, it's one big long, you know, snout thing. And oh, that's somebody's hanging in front. So all the cultures stand around God and see God, same God, but a different vantage point. And we can learn from that. That's why I love the fact that we have so many unique cultures coming to our church because I can learn from each other and see God in the vast bouquet of who he is. We can learn from each other. Instead of drawing lines, we are to open doors of understanding. Yes, in light of the truth of Scripture. Now, the key challenge in all of this is we should be inclusive as we center around Jesus. Look at verses 39 and 40 of Mark 9. But Jesus said, don't stop him. For the one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon after not speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. When it says at the work in Jesus' name, it's to do so as Jesus would do. His compassion, his kindness, his humility, and in line with his teaching of generosity and loving our neighbor and helping the hurting, caring for others, serving God and growing in faith. And if they are not against Jesus and, and who Jesus is as the Bible lays out, we should be for them. Now, sure, some churches and denominations and Christians can center around a practice or some view of Jesus that doesn't line up with Scripture. But most have a biblical view of Jesus. And if they're not against us, they're for us. See, the center of missions has always been about Jesus. 
In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, disciples of Jesus. That's who the center is. In Mark 16, 15, it says, go and preach the gospel. That's the, the message of the good news of Jesus, that we're sinful and need a savior and that Jesus is our savior. And we need to come to faith in him. And also Acts 1.8, it says, go and be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world, that we're to go and share about what Jesus has done in our own lives and share it with other people. You see, it's centered around Jesus. And when Jesus is the center, life aligns. If you want a verse for that, uh, look at Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things we had another view. Seek first Jesus as to put him in the center, his righteousness, his way of life, and all of life will align. See, for thriving as followers of Jesus is more about what we are for than what we are against. One last challenge Jesus gives in being inclusive is to foster belonging in Christ. Last verse, verse 41. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. See, it's about belonging to Jesus that is celebrated. And even a, a, a cup of cold water given to somebody, if you're in a desert region, that's a, that's a blessing, but even that, that seemed a meaningless task is good because it's about Jesus. That's the reason we're together. It's the reason we are connected. It's all about Jesus. And we are all included if we so choose. It's his party. <laughs> and we're invited. Jesus is the focus and not us. Uh, there was a wedding here many, many, many years ago. And we were all getting ready to line up to kind of come do the march in and stuff like that. But nobody could find the maid of honor. They were looking all over for her. She was actually outside in this, in this uh, driveway out here, sitting on the curb. So the wedding coordinator finally found her and said, um, we're ready to get started. And she was obviously visibly upset. She goes, I'm so mad. It's always about her and not about me. Yeah, true story. And the wedding coordinator your sister, uh, said, you know what? It is about her. It's her wedding. So come on, let's make this happen. And uh, we laugh, but we can get that way with life ourselves. And the truth is, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Life and the church is all about Jesus. We bear his name. Actually, you can translate in, in, in verse 41, because you belong to Christ, you can translate it as because you bear the name of Christ. When we come to faith in Jesus, we bear his name on our hearts. Coming to faith in Jesus, and we're gonna take communion in a little bit, but it's that realization that we're sinful, that it's an unfortunate condition of humanity. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says. We are born into it and have that propensity that moves us from it. And because we have that, we cannot get on the track that God wants us to be on, which is the track to, to where we thrive. And there's no way humanly we can jump onto that. Sin pulls us back every time. 
We need someone to save us, a savior. And that's what Jesus came, came, died on the cross, all the sin in the world dumped on him. He paid in full all of our sins so that when we come to that place of faith in him, we can step onto that track and we now are moving as one of God's kids, thriving in life. But it's all about him because his name is written on our heart. That's the gospel. It's all about Jesus. And that's where belonging is found, not in worship style or a building or who's part of the church or our age or our ethnicity or our hair color or our blood type or what crazy combination you like or don't like. It's about Jesus and welcoming people to discover him. Let's do that. That is the heart of missions, of global outreach, for thriving as followers of Jesus, more about what we are for than what we are against. Now, I know some of the food pairings and combos are a little bit out there, especially the pickles and Oreos. They may not be your favorite, but someone likes it. And that's okay because most all of us like food. Some of us like food a lot. But in faith, we all like Jesus, so let's be inclusive. Be careful uh, of drawing lines. Center around Jesus' name. Foster belonging to him. For thriving as followers of Jesus is more about what we are for than what we are against. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for just the reality uh, of what we have in you, Jesus, that you actually, because of who you are, you include us into your forever family. You allow us to have that entry into uh, this incredible uh, royal piece of uh, 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 people that belong to God. And Lord, you help us in all of that. So thank you. Thank you for allowing us in that opportunity. And Lord, help us to have that same spirit of inclusivity that we would include those around us I thank you for our missionaries who've been sent out and they want to include more in your kingdom in their part of the world. And so God bless us in that. Help us to be ministers of inclusivity. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now we want you to hear some more about some of our missionaries. And so Lance, why don't you come on up and share a little bit more and invite some others up that are going to be here today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Hi, I'm Lance Peterson. I I have the privilege of being the global outreach team leader, and we have the privilege today of hearing from uh, two couples that uh, have been missionaries for years. The first one, I'll have the Williams come on up. Um, uh, My wife and I had the pleasure of meeting the Williams. Um, Very first mission trip I ever went on as a short-term mission. I had, we had supported missionaries, and that was a great idea, but I never thought of really doing it myself. And I'll, I'm embarrassed to admit that I never really thought being a missionary might be something you enjoy doing. I thought it was something that you had to do. So um, it was the first time meeting with them. I thought, oh, I could see that why they really enjoy it. So um, I'm going to ask, uh, the, they serve in Ecuador, and I'm going to ask them. I'm going to give the other mic there. Hopefully that's on. Um, so first of all, if you could just explain to people what, put you on the mission field. Why, uh, how did God call you and how did, what did it feel like to respond to that? So. I think, uh, can you hear me okay? Um, I think I would relate to you, Lance. Uh, I was born in Orange County, born and raised there. 
as was Chet. And um, for my me and my background in missions is I thought the same thing. Like who would go to a faraway place or that you'd wake up one day and you'd be in a hut in Africa? And I wasn't sure about that. And I had a little reckoning moment in a hut in the jungle in Ecuador going, really, this is my life. But, you know, the reality is God takes you and gives you the desires of your heart. And he's that same God. And um, that is really it. I was uh, born and raised in, in Orange County, came out of teaching background. Um, Chet was doing financial planning and adventure racing. And God called us to the mission field. And really for us, it was a matter of praying and just seeking what Lord would have since we gave him our lives. And he said, will you go and love them in my name? So for us, it was really a matter of saying yes and being obedient to what God was doing. And that in um, in 2003 opened up a door that led us on a wonderful adventure of seeing God in different cultures, uh, like Pastor Mike was saying, in all different ways that um, it's really about him. And it's really been a privilege and a blessing. It's expanded my worldview, and um, I wouldn't change it for anything. And uh, one thing you'll hear from both of our missionaries, and you'll hear if you talk to most missionaries, that, that God takes you to a certain point, and then sometimes things change and move on. He opens new doors for it, and that was certainly with Chet and Katie. They went down to be dorm parents at a at a uh, Christian uh, thing that, that uh, Christian school that catered to like missionary kids and others. But um, God then led them to a, a ministry that we met them on. It was called Youth World. They just they mainly were like hosting short term teams to kind of acquaint them with uh, the stuff going on in Ecuador. And then then God um, because of that opened up some doors for them. Uh, and move them on to some other things. So I asked Chet to kind of chain to share where they're at right now. Yeah, so in that transition a long time ago now, um, was working amongst the Warani people. And probably many of you know that story. We've shared it before here, but also just those that don't. Back in 1956, five missionary men were killed in the jungle by the hands of the Warani people. And so um, God called us to work along with those same people. And at that time, in the initial part, there were a lot more of the older folks, the grandparents. Actually, three of the grandparents um, were alive at that time. Now we're down to one. Um, but their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, their great-grandchildren is who we get to work with today. And so um, just in the last few years, um, before the grandparents um, passed away, they came to us and asked if we could come alongside them and help figure out some way to reach their youth because they were losing the youth. They were coming out of their villages. They were going into the big city of Shell or Puyo and um, getting lost. And you find young ladies that don't have skills uh, find themselves working in bars as prostitutes. And you find young men who um, do not have skills, uh, do a lot of different things, but maybe the work they might get that's actually um, legal uh, doesn't pay very well. Swing a machete does not pay money cleaning up, cutting up grass in the jungle there. So you can't support yourself and you certainly can't support a family. And so the grandparents are really concerned as they saw their children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren kind of getting swallowed up. Um, how do we learn skills so we can transition into this other world that's different than living in the villages? And so um, we looked around and God said yes. And in that we helped start and we formed a an Ecuadorian foundation called Senta and bought a property that's about 10 acres. And it's actually used to be land that Nate Saint, one of the men that was martyred, uh, Nate Saint owned this land and he gave it for the first jungle hospital. 
And then later on, another part of the property became uh, a school named the St. Memorial School. And that whole 10-acre property is now part of Senta. And we've been repurposing a lot of the buildings to and building new ones. Um, and then during COVID, we we're all excited to have a big push, about seven teams in 2020 to come down and help us. And the world shut down. And it was an interesting, in, even in that, we had a team that was coming from Kansas, about 40 folks. And we already had a bunch of materials set, which meant we had materials all through lockdown for those first three months where we, we could not leave our homes. Very different than here, police state, basically. And uh, God opened up opportunities that are there, but also the Wadani people, some of the youth that we worked for a long time, some of you may know these names, Mipo and Meniwa, wanted to do a Bible study because we couldn't meet in churches anymore at all. And um, Zoom, they don't have data on their phones, so you can't do anything like that. So they said, hey, could we come on Senta property? Could we meet there and not call it church? Because if you call it church, then that's illegal, right? So we'll just have a Bible study and we'll do it every Sunday. And we're like, okay, you guys can do that. And from that has grown on to about, about 65, maybe 70 faithful coming every Sunday. And here's the really exciting part for us is that it's not something we pushed. We've been praying about. We really would like to see the leaders step up and lead their people, but now they, they started it. And we got to walk, and we still get to walk alongside them in that, but it's their, it's their ministry and it's in their heart language of Waurani. And they have the New Testament and they're starting to teach the younger people how to read their New Testament as well. And so what we've seen around the world, COVID be a negative thing in many places, we've seen God's fruit. And so now just two weeks ago, just to let you know, they officially called it a church and they have a youth program. They have a youth program in the week and all of the facilities that we have, the school, we have a covered court and all the, the balls and like sports equipment that's been left over from the Nate St. Memorial School, they're using that. We just moved, we had a team here uh, from Michigan on Thursday. We moved things right before we got on an airplane and now they have a gym. They pulled a whole bunch of weightlifting stuff and put it in. So they're just looking different ways and Senta just happens to be the tool that's reaching them. So if you can pray for the Waurani, God's doing something. We're not sure exactly what, but it is exciting. So, Awesome, thank you guys. <laughs> I'll ask you to uh, sit down and come back up when we pray. Uh, and I'm going to ask the Shooks to come up. While they're coming up, I just thought of something as we're going through. A lot of times you hear different things about missionaries and stuff. And one of the common ones you'll say, well, missionaries come in and take away the people's culture. And it's actually the almost always it's the opposite. Um, the missionaries, one's been preserving the language, helping preserve the culture and, and adopting because God speaks to all cultures differently, as Mike was sharing earlier. So they don't want to come in and give them a new story. They want them to see how their story relates to God. Um, so we are blessed to also have the Shooks with us today. So Cyprus Church, we labeled a couple alongside the Shooks about 25 years ago when they were going back to Mongolia. And then um, they have been on the mission field 30 years. And uh, again, Gail always says, nah, <laughs> I don't have to share all the dates with you. I could have said, you know, a few years ago. Um, but no, they've been a longtime friends of, of uh, Cyprus Church and Neighborhood Church now. So uh, I'm going to ask you the same thing. So how did God call you to the mission field? Well, both Tom and I are from Orange County as well. Tom used to roller skate in this facility. Um, uh, <laughs> we weren't uh, raising Christian homes and came to Christ after we got married. Um, 
why did I say that? That usually isn't what I say, but somebody must have needed to hear that. God uses everybody, isn't that? Um, but what happened is we were in a small Bible study, and they had a video um, of Melody Green. And at the end of the video, she mentioned, um, don't pray to be a missionary. Be pr- uh, Pray to be willing to go anywhere and do anything for God. And that seemed like a good thing to do on January 1st. So we started that year praying every single day that God would make us willing. Um, and I just wanted to, him to make me willing. I didn't necessarily want to go. So, but six years from that day, we went. And so in 1992, we got on a plane with our three kids and went to Outer Mongolia, spent 17 years there, planted two churches, left, spent four years in leadership in Idaho, and then went back to the field to Malaysia and then to China on the border of North Korea. In 2019, we decided to come back for a home assignment, thinking we would go back. But during that time, uh, the situation in China just got too difficult. So we made the decision to stay stateside. And so you're going to share about now, Tyler, going to share about what they're doing now, uh, how God's calling, like I said, he's been leading them down this path. And so where are you at now? Right, thanks. Um, so we got back in 2019. And uh, during that time, we became acquainted with uh, um, the refugee crisis and what's happening around the world in terms of the amount of people that are being moved, uh, being moved out of their countries for you know one reason or or another. They say the most people are on the move than ever before since uh, World War II. So, um, as a result of that, <clears throat> we're you know we became uh, changing our focus to work with refugees and immigrants here and around the world. And uh, so right around COVID, we launched a ministry called His Refuge. And basically there's four things that we're doing here. Uh, One is we call uh, Seeking Refuge, which is a prayer meeting that we have once a month. And that's down at uh, Calvary Church Santa Ana. So if you have a chance, last Monday of every month, we have a a prayer time down there. And uh, so that's part of the, what we're doing. The other thing we're doing is something we call Being Refuge. And that's working with refugees and immigrants right here. And I know Cyprus is, is doing that at the Los Alamitos uh, racetrack with some of the folks that are working there. And so we're kind of doing that as well, coming alongside our immigrant community that may not be authorized, you know, but, but we're, we're still commanded. Love them as ourselves, you know, an alien as a... Um, as a you're born here, you know, doesn't it doesn't matter. So, um, and as a, as part of that, it means that hey, we got to get involved. We got to start helping people work through the immigration process and trying to you know help people do that. And then another thing we're doing is working with Voice of the Refugees in Anaheim. This is where you know you guys know the demographics have changed dramatically over the last several years, and that there are many refugees that are right here in you know Orange County, and I know you guys all know that. But the opportunity to serve them and to help them and to share Christ with them, you know, is gaining a lot of steam. And so we work with a a group there uh, to work here, right here in the United States. Then we have Experiencing Refuge, going overseas into refugee camps and having people experience what's it like to be a refugee, be somebody on the run, and then bring that knowledge back home and say, okay, now what are we going to do? Because they're here. And Afghan refugees have uh, came since uh, August, right? So we're working with Afghan refugees here, helping them uh, to adjust and become acclimated. T- 
teaching English, you know, helping them find jobs, sponsoring people. So we're doing a lot of that. And then uh, advocating refuges where we're just wanting to help the church know and, and, uh, and get a vision for what's happening in all of our communities and, and that the church, you know, we, we're meant to engage, get in there like Mike is saying, right? We need to just be, uh, be there and, and be involved. And so that's what the other part is about. <clears throat> Great. I'm going to ask the Williams to come back up um, to pray for him. But one, I think a couple things when I say you're, so you're hearing this like, okay, so what could I do? You know, maybe have more interest on it. Um, they sh- there should be some cards in the lobby that have their emails on it, their information. You can sign up for a newsletter uh, and then get information regularly on it and be praying for it. And that's, that would be the first step. I mean, just be praying. And, and as uh, Gail was sharing, be praying about what does God want in your life? It's like, it's a scary thing. You don't have to pray to go on the mission field, but just pray that you're willing to do what God's calling you to do, where to go where he wants and do what he wants. Um, the second thing is you, uh, you go through his prayers. Um, you know, contacting, uh, you can talk to them in the lobby if you've got any questions, but supporting them, uh, encouraging them, and like, say, financial support. Uh, we, the church supports them, but they also are, are uh, supported a lot by personal donors and stuff. So maybe God's calling you to that. Or not, if not this, then some of the mission asks God, you know, to give more to Faith Promise or to personal missionaries. So those are all things that you can do to help support them. And the last thing is that we, we will be doing some short-term teams through the ministry. Next year, we'll be going to Ecuador with uh, Chet and Katie, God willing. Uh, and then uh, also there's uh, doing refugee in, in Cyprus, uh, Greece, not Cyprus here. Yeah. Uh, so they'll, uh, in, yeah, Cyprus uh, in Europe. So uh, we'll be going there. Uh, Justin is going to go on a kind of a fact-finding trip this year if possible. Uh, but next year we want to do that. So again, our, our philosophy on short-term missions is to go and support the missionaries that we're already supporting uh, and come alongside them and be able to provide physical help as well as financial. So let me pray for these this couple, these couples, and and uh, and you can join me with this. Um, God, thank you. Thank you that we get a chance to hear what you are doing. Um, I like what Jesus says. I just, I only do what I see the Father doing, and that's what these missionaries are doing. They they didn't originate these missions. They didn't uh, there, but you were already there doing it. They just came alongside you and came alongside the, the Christians there and where they came to, to help and serve alongside them. And, and that's what you're calling us to do, God, in whatever way is possible, to come alongside them, come alongside uh, and do what you are already doing, God. Um, I pray for peace for them. I pray for strength. I pray for wisdom. God, there will be opposition, and there has been opposition. So just pray that they uh, know that you have their back, and that uh, that there will be those, and that they know that they're being prayed for here and, and all over the world, God. So thank you for this time. We'll it up in Jesus' name. Amen.